0: Ungodly introspection in OCD on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. And as promised last week, we have back with us Dr. Keith Palmer, he's the Associate Pastor of Grace Bible Church. In Granbury, Texas. He's been in that capacity since July of 2002. I'll remind you that he and his wife, Lisa, have been married since 2000. You see, you did that really well, Keith. You married in 2000 that way. I did the same thing. That way, every year, you know exactly the date.
1: all you gotta do is look yeah. at the look at well, the, ca- the calendar and well, go, oh, yeah.
0: That's right. What year is it? years this
1: year.
0: I love that. All right, so we're <laughs> smarter than we look, Keith. That's right. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah. And and we outmarried out- ourselves. That's so.
0: right. Keith <laughs> and Lisa have three kids: Alan, Amy, and Eric. I want to jump into this, uh, Keith, if we can, just talking about OCD. We we talked about this last week. This issue of idolizing certainty. This week, I want to sort of change it in a little bit different direction. And listen, we can be honest that there are varying degrees of these tendencies of OCD. There are lots of variables when we talk about this issue of OCD. One of the, one of the things I want us to hone in, in on is this issue of introspection. That is certainly a, a never-ending story, a never-ending path, if you will, in the story of those who struggle with, with OCD is this issue of introspection. And so give us just a brief you know, reminder of last week OCD basics, and then I want to ask you a question that leads us into introspection.
1: Sure. Thanks, Dale. Good to be back with you. Yeah, so so OCD, we're we're thinking about a cycle of hardened behavior from a biblical standpoint. It's a cycle of hardened behavior. The obsessions would be these intrusive, unwanted, reoccurring thoughts, and those thoughts fuel various fears, and that creates a a mental distress, a, a difficulty within, and then the person will pursue relief through The second component, which is the compulsions, repetitive behaviors, rituals, mental exercises. And and of course, those compulsions are designed to bring some sort of relief from the distress that the obsessions create. So, and left in that mode, it creates this hopeless cycle. So that's kind of an overview of OCD. And, and, you know, there's various types, you know, the the classic one is, you know, I left the stove on, I got to go check it, I left the door open, I need to go make sure it's locked. But, but there are others too, you know, things like, you know, uh, a fear of unorderliness, So I'm always organizing or a fear of germs. So I'm always watching mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, a fear of throwing things away. I might need something. And that leads to this hoarding idea. So those are some ideas of, of what we see in the OCD type uh, behavior.
0: Now, again, this is, this is mental health month, the month of May. And, and I want us to to think about these issues that are quite prevalent in the area of mental health. And some of the or at least one of the things that i think most people forget about relative to ocd is it wasn't like a, a a switch was flipped all of a sudden one day and now i find myself dominated by these obsessive thoughts or compulsive behaviors that i'm doing this often happens over over a long period of time with patterns and these patterns sort of begin with this with this detailed introspection about person's life, and then patterns are built up with uh, obsessive thoughts and compulsive behaviors. So what role, Keith, if you're looking at this issue of OCD, what role does introspection play in the lives of those who struggle with these obsessive thoughts and compulsive behaviors?
1: Yeah, I think introspection is usually a key feature of all of this. People are looking inside them, and that's where they're focusing on those thoughts, those fears. They're constantly reevaluating, you know, is this thought I had, is that true to who I really am? You know, does that make me guilty of what the thought represents? So it, it really is a key feature. And you know, introspection is is tricky because you know we all introspect and and actually God commands us to introspect. So you know when Psalm 139 demonstrates the the good quality of asking God to examine our hearts or when Paul tells the Corinthians to take every thought captive or in his second letter to test ourselves to see if we're really believers. Those are all good things. So introspection is a good thing when it is guided by biblical principles, but it can, of course, uh, turn into something that's ungodly and unhelpful. And that's really what we see in OCD is, is this introspection becomes a constant it's almost like those those programs on your computer or apps on your phone that are just always running in the background mm-hmm. and that's what's going on is just there's this constant introspection of evaluation or trying to get to the bottom of it or trying to isolate the fear trying to determine one's innocence if there's been a a, a thought that was of a, a inappropriate nature and and that just that just feeds this cycle uh, of OCD hopelessness
0: now i want to go into a little bit more detail of what you just mentioned because what we're talking about is introspection in and of itself is not necessarily a, a terrible thing, but we want to distinguish between that which is godly and ungodly. It, it, even as you were talking, you were talking about Psalm 139. You were giving examples in the New Testament of where we're commanded to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith and that sort of thing. I thought of Matthew chapter 7, where we're not to you know take the speck out of someone else's eye, but to look at the log in our own there there are calls in the scripture to to do this introspection, and so I want you to help us to distinguish the difference now between godly and ungodly introspection.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a key feature of helping people because in, introspection is not the problem. It's a, it's a misguided and ungodly introspection that that creates the problem. So so yeah, the passages that you and I have already mentioned clearly demonstrate that there is a godly introspection, and I think one of the tests that we apply. To distinguish godly introspection from ungodly introspection is what it produces. According to the Bible, in, in the passages that you and I have mentioned, and there's many others, we recognize that godly introspection is meant to bring conviction. It's meant to bring godly sorrow, repentance, a trust in Christ for forgiveness and change, clarity, and again, Second Corinthians 7, Psalm 32, Psalm 139, all of those would demonstrate that. So, so the point is, there is godly Fruit. There is Christ-like evidence at the conclusion of godly introspection. So that kind of distinguishes it. When we're talking about ungodly introspection, what we're seeing is not just a lack of that godly fruit, but actually the presence of of much ungodly fruit. So we see we see the provocation of sinful fear. We see the we see the neglect of actual spiritual God-ordained duties. We see a withdrawing from community. All these features that would demonstrate whatever I'm doing in introspection, it's not producing the, the sort of God-revealed fruit that the Bible says that godly introspection should, should do that. So just some examples might be helpful. So when we're thinking about ungodly introspection, we're, we're thinking about, you know, somebody that has an intrusive thought and they want to know, did I experience any pleasure in that thought? Because that's going to render them either guilty or not guilty in their mind. Or what were my real motives? And just maybe a footnote here, uh, Dale, the the introspection actually becomes, in some cases, a form of the compulsion. So I have this thought, I have this fear, I have this intrusive situation, and I turn to introspection, to ungodly introspection as my main compulsive remedy. I'm I'm, I'm doing introspection to try to bring relief from the distress that I experience from the uh, ungodly, intrusive thought. So So these are some of the questions, you know, have I fully understood my heart? Did I do everything to mitigate a negative consequence? Did I perfectly communicate my intent? Have I confessed every and all sin? Could I have committed the unpardonable sin? So so those are the things that fuel the wrong type of introspection as a person tries to find relief. And um, I guess two elements that really give away this ungodly introspection, one is it's not guided by or informed by the gospel. Jesus is not present here. The sufficiency of Christ and his work are not a part of this exercise. And the second thing that I already alluded to this is that it just feeds and fuels further intrusive thoughts, too. In other words, you have all this ungodly fruit rather than moving toward a place of spiritual growth and and righteous fruit, as the Bible would reveal. One of the things I discovered in, in working with many people with this is that the way you kill an intrusive thought is not by dwelling on it but by dismissing it and replacing it, according to Ephesians chapter 4 and other passages. So that's really the key, is to see that the way I I work through this is not by spending time on the intrusive thought with ungodly introspection, but actually dismissing it and replacing it with biblical
0: truth. Yeah, that that truth of 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, that we take the thoughts captive, and then we not just take it captive, because then if you're just dwelling on that thought, you're making it obedient to Christ, which is consistent with the pattern of Ephesians 4 that you mentioned. Also in Colossians chapter 3, the same pattern is mentioned of put off, put on, to put, put to death, therefore what is earthly in you. And then interestingly enough, in verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. I mean, we're not allowing the peace of Christ that has already been settled in our justification before God to rule our heart. There are still holdouts, if you will. There are still areas in our heart that we're we're leaving open, or as if the the peace of Christ has not not dominated that area. Uh, you know, even as you're talking, I'm thinking of the issue of justification, and, and I think about that in terms of salvation, justif- justification. In, in in my feelings, what am I allowing to justify myself? And and oftentimes, a person who struggles with this level of introspection, uh, they're thinking that there's a a certain type of thought or something they can do to settle their heart. That's never the measuring stick that we see in Scripture. We're never to be driven by those things which we accomplish. Then we become the object of our hope in what we're pursuing. Can we do it enough, or can we do it this way, this way, or that way? And the Bible never never claims that we're going to be perfect, even until we die, and, 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 until glorification happens. We're not going to be perfect, so we're pursuing something that, that I would argue biblically is not even possible, this side of heaven. And so, yeah, it, it, I think the, the object of our hope becomes very paramount here in am I trusting in Christ as my true hope? From Psalm 46, is God my true refuge here as I introspect? Am I measuring myself over and against the Scripture? And even if I see a weakness, can I glory in the work that Christ has done? That's such a, a key thought. Now, we've been talking sort of you know, in the realm of theoretical to some degree, and now I want to bring this down to the practical if we can. Just help our counselors, help those who struggle with this issue of deep introspection. What are some of the practical steps to help those who are engaged in unhelpful and we would even say ungodly introspection?
1: Yeah, and of course, this is going to vary depending on the actual manifestation. But yeah, just some ideas here. Uh, As I mentioned a moment ago, one main strategy is, is to dismiss the intrusive thought, not engage it. Engaging it is what feeds this hopeless cycle, and so dismissing, putting off, to use biblical language, replacing it with with Christ and His Word, and along with that, you know, only confess clear actual sin, not potential sin or possible sin or theoretical, uh, you know, sort of sin. Just you know, that that's the thing. You know, we're not called to confess things that we actually haven't engaged in as sin, and and usually in OCD the confession that is needed is not related to the obsessive thought it's related to the area of pride and self focus and an unbelief in the gospel not a confession of the intrusive thought it's also good to remember that that in clear where clear actual biblical confession is needed that it's the sufficiency of jesus not the thoroughness or the perfection of the confession that brings forgiveness mm. and cleansing and the verdict of no condemnation. Mm. So sometimes the, the focus is the wrong place there. And, and as we talked about last week, it really can amount to a denial of the sufficiency of Jesus in, in, a, in a pride. You know, th- these are real strugglers, right? I mean, they are really under distress. They're exhausted. So there's real suffering here for sure. But underneath all that is this subtle form of pride that says, I'm going to be the determiner of what's really true, and I'm gonna rest in that instead of the sufficiency of Jesus and submitting to his verdicts instead of our own. So that's huge, that, a lot, there's a big battle to, to work out there. And, and along with that, maybe some some counterintuitive biblical wisdom Sometimes we need to help people see that they're actually more wicked than they actually know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meaning, oh, I might have done this and that would make me a horrible person. I might have thought this and that would make me a horrible person. And look, you know, we read the Bible. Romans 3 says there's none righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's none who seeks after God. We've all turned aside and, and it's like, you know, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But we're actually way worse than we realize. And yet Jesus is still sufficient, yes. right? That's the second half of Romans 3. Be wise in crafting homework assignments that require inward reflection. And you, usually in homework assignments and biblical counseling, we're going to assign things like, you know, take your thoughts captive or confess your sin. But we want to we be careful because sometimes giving OCD strugglers assignments that require inward reflection actually puts fuel to the fire. So I've found that utilizing external helps like a journal can help keep godly reflection from morphing into an internal sort of introspective obsession where it becomes ungodly in that way. So just be careful in your homework assignments. And as a part of that, engage a trusted friend or family member or counselor or pastor to help the struggler evaluate whether or not confession or introspection is really truly appropriate. Having that outside party making the determination can be a really good help when the person is so consumed with this that they're not, they're not able to make good judgments all the time. Although a footnote on that too, sometimes talking with somebody can actually become another compulsion strategy. So we want, we want to be careful with that. And then maybe finally, uh, just rehearsing the gospel. I think Milton Vincent's gospel primer is a great resource just to remind ourselves every day that godly introspection is built from the gospel, has to be guided by the gospel, and it has to lead to change that is fueled by the gospel. And then to just dismiss any and all other efforts at introspection until that gospel can be fully embraced.
0: That's super helpful, especially the part, the, the practical wisdom that you're giving our counselors about just pay attention to the homework that you're giving. Understand the person well enough to know that Some of the homework you can give can actually contribute to this obsession, this compulsion of behaviors. They may feel that it's empowering or whatever. To uh, It's the next stage to help them to conquer their feelings and just, just be cautious in, in the ways in which you give homework. Now, Keith, I failed to do this last week. I wanted to do this this week briefly if we can, but just some resources. Obviously, in, in even in two podcasts, we can't cover the things that we would like to talk about and all the nuances and variabilities of, of the issues of OCD. Some resources that you can think of that would be helpful for further study for our listeners.
1: Sure. In uh, our own ACBC Training Center here, um, the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, we, we have several articles and we also have several workshops that uh, the audio for that are all free on our website, thecbcd.org. My good friend, Brent Osterberg, who's a pastor in our area, part of our team here, he and I have done several different lectures on this, and he's written several articles. So I'd refer our listeners to that. I think hopefully those will be a blessing. And and I think Brent and I were both really helped by the work of Mike Emlett. Mike has done a little booklet, uh, those counseling booklets that we uh, appreciate so much. Uh, His booklet on OCD, uh, published by PNR. And then he also has a very helpful article in the Journal of Biblical Counseling, actually several articles. There was one that was published recently on the scrupulosity, the, the sort of religious brand of OCD. So I think I think Mike Emlett's work has been really helpful as well. So those would be some some resources that might help uh, our listeners.
0: Well, thank you, brother. I really appreciate this. I know this is gonna be helpful to uh, so many who listen, those who counsel and those who, who struggle with these types of obsessive thoughts and impulsive behaviors. I so appreciate your your work on this. You're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, I do pray that these discussions that we're having are very helpful. These are real issues that people are dealing with, and so I want to encourage you to, to maybe revisit some of the things that we've talked about over the last two weeks with Keith relative to OCD and This actually falls into one of the categories of the most diagnosed mental disorder that's out there. The the collection of anxiety disorders and OCD sort of falls under that. So you're going to encounter this kind of stuff quite frequently. So I want to encourage you to, to make good use of pressing the replay button on this particular podcast the last two weeks. So this special announcement is specific for members. If you're a member of ACBC, we are trying to raise the value of that membership. And one of the ways that we're doing that is releasing content for you. We are releasing now to you our past colloquium, the myths of modern psychiatry. And these are the video presentations that were were given during our colloquium in August 2021. I think you will find these outstanding and even challenging to you, and they will spur your mind on to greater things, I think, if you were to, to watch these videos. You can find these on your member portal under free resources, and I want to encourage you to avail yourself to this. This is an academic setting, and so I want to make Sure, and very clear that not everything that's said is something that ACBC necessarily promotes. However, It is challenging to us. It helps us to grow. It helps us to consider what's being discussed in the broader realm of counseling at large in the secular world and helps us as biblical counselors to constantly refine how we think biblically about the issues of our day. So I want to encourage you, if you're a member, go find that free resource under your member portal. I think you'll enjoy sitting down and listening to those four presentations. So go on over to your member portal at biblicalcounseling.com.